0: Welcome to Everyone Loved It But Me. My name is Lisa Hedger and I am your host. This is the podcast where we analyze books. We analyze super popular books and offer up different opinions sometimes. I typically talk with a guest who didn't love that beloved book. I am a freelance writer an editor and a journalist in Central Ohio And in today's episode, this one is coming to you on the day before Thanksgiving. So I'm taking an opportunity to kind of look at some of those best lists. I'm going to talk about some of the best books of the year so far, according to some different groups, right? We'll look at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Washington Post, and there'll be more lists that will come out. but I think it's a little fun to look at those. And... I'm gonna take the opportunity to answer some questions that I get about the podcast. I've been doing this now a little more than a year. Haven't really done an official Q&A episode, but I'm going to just talk about some of those questions and answer them. These are ones that I get in emails and direct messages and texts and, and things like that to me and questions I get on social media. We're going to jump right in to some of the best books of the year according to many different lists and who knows, maybe some of these will be an everyone loved put me book in the future. You never know. Amazon ranked their number one book for the year. And it is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. <laughs> that is really the name tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. It is written by Gabrielle Zevin. I will tell you that I am now number Eight out of 145, requesting it at my library. I requested it more than two months ago, September 12th. I'm talking to you here in the middle of November, so I'm hoping that I can get this and In uh, it'll be a total time of less than three months and that I can read it before the end of the year. Fingers crossed I would like to read this one. I'll give you a couple of like I said Amazon. I'll let you know kind of how how they describe it. I'm scrolling here for a second so my apologies. They named it as their best book of 2022 by Amazon's Book editors, and and they have others on their list as well. They said, we've had a bumper crop of amazing books to choose from this year, but to get our passionate read opinionated team of editors to agree on one they loved is almost a miracle, says Sarah Gelman, editorial director for Amazon Books. I will include the link of this in the show notes. Uh, And Sarah wrote Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Is That Miracle? A simply perfect book about the complexities of human relationships, the importance of human connection, the innocence and optimism of youth, our journey with technology, and the many shades of love. I have to say that's a really lovely description of the book. I was also looking on Goodreads, As I said, I've been on this wait list The the Goodreads kind of describes it. It starts out on a bitter cold day in the in the December of his junior year at Harvard. Sam Masser exits a subway car and sees amid the hordes of people waiting on the platform, Sadie Green, he calls her name. For a moment, she pretends she hasn't heard him, but then she turns and a game begins. A legendary collaboration that will launch them into stardom. These friends, intimate since childhood, borrow money, beg favors, and before even graduating college, they have created their first blockbuster. Overnight, the world is theirs. Not even 25 years old. Sam and Sadie are brilliant, successful, and rich. But these qualities won't protect them from their own creative ambitions or the betrayals of their hearts. It looks like this is one that goes over 30 years. And you get you get sprinkled into, of course, Cambridge, Massachusetts, to California, and all sorts of other places. I, I, like I said, I've, I'm on the list for this one. This is Amazon's number one. I've heard so many people talk about this book. I am excited to read it. If, of course, this is one, I'm you know I'm talking to you the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Of course, Friday will be Black Friday. If this is something, I always think this is a good time to talk about a little bit about holiday book shopping. I feel like we're, we're approaching three years of the pandemic. And, you know, we should be able at this point to to get products, you know, more timely. But I still think there's a lot of lag time. So if you want to shop for any of these super popular books, get them now, plan for them now, because I really think that, that they could go fast. Another top book that Amazon listed, they actually listed this one as, as number seven. I'm not going to go through their entire list, but I'm, I'm handpicking this one because I've had several friends bring up this book and say, wow, this is, this is one you need to check out. And I'm, wow, I'm number 87 out of 110 on my wait list at the library. So it's not looking that great for me. This is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. And she, you know, and it's also another reason why this book might be hard to get. It's it's already, I can already see on the picture of it. It's already got Oprah's Book Club signature on it is, is, supposed to be a really 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 good book this is how it is described in, in the article that I, like I said I'll include in the show notes in this mesmerizing novel King Solver peers into the neglected hollows of Appalachia to tell an insightful and razor-sharp coming-of-age story about a boy named Demon Copperhead born behind the eight ball of life demon faces hunger, cruelty, and a tidal wave of addiction in his tiny county, but never loses his love for the place that claims him as its own. With the soulful narration by this kind, conflicted, witty boy, King Solver gives voice to a place and its people where beauty, desperation, and resilience collide and again that one just sounds really lovely and the description here also as i said set in the mountains of southern appalachia this is the story of a boy born to a teenage single mother in a single wide trailer with no assets beyond his dead father's good looks and copper colored hair caustic wit and a fierce talent for survival that that is one I would love to read before the end of the year certainly you know put that put that perhaps on your list it does look really good now I'm going to jump to Barnes and Noble their very number one top book of the year their number one book of the year is (laughs) drumroll lessons in chemistry this is a book that I have been talking about with guests throughout the year. I I remember several months ago, actually, even in the spring when I was doing the recording for Midnight Library, my guest Laura had mentioned that she was reading this book and said, it it's really good. And I've had it kind of on my radar right now. I'm still number 330 out of 389, but it's Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmas, and we were taken into the world. It's chemist Elizabeth Zott is not your average woman. In fact, Elizabeth would be the first to point out that there is no such thing as an average woman, but it's the early 1960s, and all of her male team at Hastings Research Institute takes a very unscientific view of equality except for one calvin evans the lonely brilliant nobel prize nominated grudge holder who falls in love with of all things her mind true chemistry results so and then it goes on to say but like science life is unpredictable a few years later, Elizabeth Zott finds herself not only a single mother, but the reluctant star of America's most beloved cooking show, Supper at Six. Elizabeth's unusual approach to cooking, combine one tablespoon acetic acid with a pinch of sodium chloride, provides revolutionary, proves revolutionary. This, this, like I said, is a book that I have had so many people telling me about. And I do hope to read it soon. In this article, I'll include a link in the show notes. Our booksellers are most proud to make Lessons in Chemistry, the 2022 Barnes & Noble book of the year. This blockbuster debut is not only charming, funny, and whip-smart, but proves that life, like science, is unpredictable. So that, that is that's our Barnes & Noble number one book of the year. Now I want to jump to the Washington Post. I'll tell you number one for the Washington Post, their number one book of the year so far, this was dated November 17th, is Afterlives. And you'll notice that this is a book that I, I think has gotten maybe not as many sales as some of the other books on the other lists, but this is one that has gotten more Prestige in terms of awards. After Lives was the winner of the 2021 Nobel Prize in Literature. It's set in East Africa in the early 20th century. It according to the Washington Post, I'll go on here. The story is at once a globe-spanning epic of European colonialism and an intimate look at village life in one of the many overlooked corners of the earth. Deftly inverting the old Western narrative, it renders the Europeans as background characters and places East Africans in the forefront, moving fluidly between the complicated lives of its characters and the reckless actions of old empires." So it talks about how when he was a little boy, a little boy was stolen from his parents by the German colonial troops. After years away, fighting in a war against his own people, he returns to the village to find his parents gone and his sister given away. This this one sounds like it. It's a very good book too. very in depth, looking looking at things. a, a little bit different from from some of the others on, on the list. I think it sounds like it would be an excellent book club book. Now I do want to add that one overlap that we have on on our list from this was from the previous list, this was the Amazon list. Demon Copperhead actually also makes the Washington Post list. That is an overlap. I do think it says a lot when you have one book that's on multiple lists, especially when those lists are kind of set up in in different ways and in different dynamics. Looking here at the Washington Post, looking at the Demon Copperhead, they describe it as equal parts hilarious and heartbreaking. And I like that part about the humor because I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that from what I've heard from from other folks and what I'd read about it earlier. Again, they talk about, like we said, the, the child who's you know born of a teenager, I think we also said teenage alcoholic. We mentioned who's born in southwestern Virginia. And like I said, this one looks really good. Looking here at the Washington Post, they say it's inspired by the work of Charles Dickens. Barbara Kingsolver has effectively reignited the moral indignation of the great Victorian novelist to dramatize the horrors of child poverty in the late 20th century. This would be a grim melodrama if it weren't for demons' endearing humor, formed by his unaffected innocence and weary cynicism. That's, that's two, two lists that, that this one book is on. Clearly it's, it's very popular and, and it sounds like it's, it's popular for a number of reasons. It's a good story. It's an important story and it's one that I'm hoping that I can get so I'm going to take a quick break I certainly later in the year as we're we're getting toward the the end of the holidays I can go through some of those other top lists I know the New York Times will be coming out with theirs shortly but in this quick break I just want to remind you and encourage you if you enjoy the show please consider writing a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, because that will help people learn about the show. I always encourage you to please consider telling your friends or relatives about the show. That's a huge help as well. Now I want to get to the second part of this Book Bits episode, which is kind of the, the Q&A part. I'm going to share with you several questions that I get asked a lot about the show, and actually, I, I did not make a huge deal about the anniversary, but everyone loved it. But me has has now been around for more than one year. It makes perfect sense to answer some of these questions. These are questions I get all of the time, private message or posted on social media. The first one is there. there's an impression that people are always asking me. You know, how can I dislike so many books? People think that I dislike all of the books that I'm choosing and that it could not be farther from the truth. You know, people ask, how do you come up with the books and and how do you choose them if you really love them? I'm always somewhere in between on how I feel about the books. What I do is right now I have this huge long list of books and I can share more of the books that are on my list possibly this holiday season as well if you're interested. I have this long list of books that I'm compiling based on what we just talked about, right? Those best lists. I'm looking at the best lists from all the publications and Barnes and Noble, New York Times, New York Times bestsellers. What are the books that are selling the most? What are the books that are very popular in terms of awards, right? I'm looking at kind of those that are getting a lot of literary acknowledgments, and, you know, books like The Goldfinch and and things like that, but also then books that are just really selling a lot, meaning everyone is reading them. Perhaps like the tomorrow, 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 right? That particular book. And that's how I'm coming up with my list. I'm also including, you know, all-time popular books. That means there's going to be a lot of classics. Some of the books on my list I've read and loved. Some of them I've read and just been okay with. And some of them I've actually not read at all. There are times, for instance, that I read a book for the podcast I find someone who didn't love it. Let's think of Gone Girl. That's a great example. I love that book. I've read that book probably three or four times. Every time I still love it. But I knew that would be a great one to discuss on the podcast. And it was. Then there are books that I have selected because I know they're so popular. This is one coming up that I'd never read And But many, many people have asked me to do this one on the show, and that is Verity. Verity is one that I read and had never read before. Another one coming up very soon that I had actually never read was Wuthering Heights. Now, then I have people ask me, like, okay, so when you're going into the book, like, do you go in with a negative perception? I really don't, right? I I really don't. I will ask people now with Wuthering Heights, that was an interesting one, because I mentioned it on social media. And I'll, I'll mention this in the episode, which will air very shortly. A lot of people said, you know, don't look at it as a love story look at it as more kind of like a horror, a gothic no- a gothic novel. And I have to say, going into it with that perception, saying, oh, this really, it, I'm not thinking of it as a romance, that actually really helped me to enjoy that book more. I, I think that a lot of people who go into that book thinking it's going to be the greatest romance of all time are probably disappointed <laughs> with with the outcome. Uh, you have a lot of but unlikable characters, if you will. And another book that I'm really looking forward to reading that's on the list, and I might end up loving it, that I've never read before, which astonishes me, but is A Christmas Carol. I've seen the movie, I've seen all sorts of adaptations, but I've never actually read it. And I think that will be a really good conversation. That's kind of how it works. I'm trying to choose like really, really popular books and another question i get asked is you know do people are they rereading the books yes that's generally my rule of thumb is if you haven't read it recently if it's been a while to really do a, a reread or a refresh in a perfect world i would love it if if let's say someone read lessons in chemistry, or one of these books, actually, that I just mentioned that are super popular. And they read one of those books, and they reached out to me and they said, gosh, Lisa, I just read this book, and I don't love it. It would be perfect for your podcast. And I would say, oh my gosh, you're right. That would be a perfect one. It's so popular. I just need to to get the book and reread it myself or actually, like I said, it could be also I need to read it because, <laughs> again, I haven't read all of them, and then I would read it, and and then I, we would try to set up the recording as soon as possible. I feel bad asking someone to reread a book that they didn't love. I do have a hard time with that, especially if it's a really, really long book. In a perfect world, I would love for someone to reach out to me Shortly after they've read a very beloved book and they're thinking to themselves, wait a minute, why didn't I love it? You know, reach out to me then and I'll do my best to read it as fast as possible and then we can talk about it. If you've got that book, you want to see me discuss it, you read it, you'd love to be in the show or, you know, someone else who you think would be perfect on the show, have them reach out to me. www.everyoneloveditbutme.com. And contact me. I'm also on Facebook. Everyone loved it but me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Another question that I get asked all of the time is you know, is the podcast more of a passion project or is it what I consider to be a a business line? I will tell you, I do hope for this. I, I do consider this part of my business. And I want it to be a part of my business right now. It is still more of a a passion project, if you will. I do envision that that will start to change, I think, at the start of 2023. A lot of people ask, like, well, how do podcasts make revenue? The two main ways that you can make revenue are advertisements. We all know what advertisements are, right? So that might be where I would have, you know, Libra FM or I would make advertisements for different books, different bookish sites, things like that. That that's an advertisement and and that's certainly something I have considered as well. A second very popular a way to make revenue for a podcast is in the very common company that does this is called patreon that's where you think of like pbs right so if you listen if your kids love pbs you would often send them x amount of money per year, you know, when they're doing that big donation. Patreon is you could pay, you know, let's say $5 a month or $10 or $15 a month, I would come up with a tiered system. And I'd say, here's what you get, you know, for $5 a month, maybe you get an opportunity to contribute and suggest books that you would like to see me discuss on the show. And, and for $15 a month, you get, um additional ki- kinds of things. I've been researching this and looking into this for a while. I really wanted to get enough content out now that we have more than 52 episodes. I am hoping to, to do something with Patreon. Another way that you can help support the podcast is every time I mention a book on the show, I include links. And if you use one of those links in the show notes and purchase the book, then I get a teeny tiny bit of revenue as well. That's also a great way to support, to support the show. Those are most of the big questions that I have gotten. And if you have any additional questions at all, of course, you can reach out to me, like I said, on social media as well. And I'm going to uh, be finishing up the year with some super popular Everyone Loved It But Me books. I just gave you some good hints. You're going to see Verity and you're going to see Wuthering Heights, A Christmas carols. We're going to be ending the year here and starting 2023 with some really awesome awesome books uh, Verity might get pushed in that one might be one of my first ones uh, of the new year I've already recorded it but I just don't want that one to get hung up in in the holidays but of course A Christmas Carol will be coming out over the holidays for sure Weathering Heights feels to me like a really wintry book I guess that's another question people ask me is like how do I decide when to, to publish the books? sometimes in my head there's certain books that I think oh That's a summer book, you know, I got to, I need to publish that one this summer. I mean, Midnight Library, I had recorded that one in the spring and just held on to it for several months because I really felt like it would be perfect to air in the fall. And I don't know why, but I I just felt that sometimes that happens. I have a certain book, like I said, Mothering Heights, for whatever reason, it's not a winter book per se, but in my mind, I think it is. <laughs> that is why that one, I'm going to release that one in the winter. A lot of times I do have certain ones that I kind of see a, a, as a little seasonal and sometimes it's just my own, my own way. I don't know why. Addie LaRue, I released that one in the winter. I've had a lot of people say they kind of consider that one a summer book. I've read it two times, both over the Christmas holidays, two years back to back, and in my head I still consider that a winter book, but not necessarily many people consider it a summer book. In terms of choosing when I'm gonna run the books, a lot of times it's it's based on when I've spoken to the guests, what holidays, what's coming up, and, and that's kind of how I how I do that. And I sprinkle in these book bits episodes based on again with this ho- being a holiday week, I thought this would be the perfect episode to 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 talk about popular books, year-end books, things like that here as we're ending the year. I want to thank you all so much for time. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback. If you have uh, questions, concerns, books that you want me to discuss on the show, please reach out to me. Again, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you have a lovely day, and most importantly, I hope you get time to read today.